0: I'm Jen Taylor Skinner. This is Wagatwe Wanjuki. And this is Black Women 2020, your one-stop shop for 2020 election coverage from the perspective of Black women. And this is our special post-debate analysis episode of the third Democratic primary debate. And this is going to be a two-parter. In this episode, we're gonna spend the entire episode analyzing Joe Biden's performance in the third Democratic debate. So way. okay, we have to start with Uncle Joe. Oh God. We have to start with Joe Biden, because, you know, he... Okay, here's the thing. So you sent me this article that was written, I guess, overnight. You know, mm-hmm. somebody quickly wrote this op-ed, and the title is Drop Out Joe. <laughs> so I didn't even know where to begin. So should we give people a background of, like, how this all began and why Joe Biden's performance is such a topic of conversation for today? Yeah, let's do it. So Lindsey Davis, the Black moderator for the debate... Ask the question, which is actually pretty simple, like, and it's very relevant for this debate and any debate, really. So Lindsay Davis says to Joe Biden, I don't feel responsible. She, so she's quoting him from something he said like 40 years ago. He mm-hmm. said in relation to school segregation, I don't feel responsible for the sins of my father and my grandfather. <laughs> I feel responsible for what the situation is today, for the sins of my own generation, and I'll be damned, like he's angry, I'll be damned if I feel responsible to pay for what happened 300 years ago. So that was Joe's quote, right? And Mm -hmm. she follows up with the question, like, in light of what you said 40 years ago, what responsibility do you think that Americans need to take to repair the legacy of slavery in our country? Clearly a question about reparations, right, Mm -hmm. and systemic racism. And then Joe's answer, you know, everything starts to fall apart when he starts to answer.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So can we just, like, also just break down this question, though? Because sure, I really... I really liked it because it gave him an opportunity to talk about how he's changed, right? People love to complain about Biden being like, why are you bringing things up from so long ago? But I love the way that she asked the question. It kind of presumes that clearly things have changed over four decades. And here's your chance to show that you've grown and you've learned after, especially after working with the first black president.
0: Yeah. So just shout out to Lindsay, you know, the black woman moderator for this Mm -hmm. debate for that excellent question. You're right. It was Multi-layered, And it was, it was, it was really good. And she, she put it in a context of, you know, something that they've talked about in past debates, like his record around education. And you're right, she gave him an opportunity to explain where you are today, you know, front runner.
1: <laughs> oh, I hate to be reminded that he's a front runner.
0: <laughs> yeah, but then, like, so after that, there was this moment, there was this moment where when she asked the question, he kind of scoffs, you know, like kind of laughs, like, oh, ha ha, ha your cute little question. hall. Oh. <laughs> you know, and that was, mm-hmm. you know, that's so to, Typically, Joe, and this is something that I didn't intend to get into, but when he did that, it reminded me of how he performed during the 2008 debates when he was running against Sarah Sarah Palin mm-hmm. for the VP for the VP position, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, regardless of how you feel about Palin, and I don't know anyone who has any positive feelings about Palin, right? <laughs> I mean, she's just a, a terrible person, yeah. human being. Um, but he scoffed a lot at her too. Right? Mm-hmm. He did not treat her as an equal competitor, right? Like, it wasn't like he was competing her, like, not as an equal in respect to her intelligence, but yeah. just the fact that, you know, she's just like a silly little, you know, silly little woman or just a silly little competitor. And that scoffing, which he does often, what he did on stage last night uh, at the debate reminded me of that, his mm. history of doing that. That's
1: a really good point. Um, yeah, I think it was a bad look for him to scoff. Honestly, and I do. And it's something that I've noticed over, especially now during this campaign, his, his sexism. I really do think that he reacts differently when women question him or challenge him. Right. Like, I feel like it is a different reaction. I don't think it's necessarily conscious, but like that doesn't make it any better. That actually kind of makes it, it makes it worse in a way because he thinks he just it's not self-aware. Yeah, I think he's a sexist dude and racist, but we're going to go into that, right? <laughs> yeah, so so what what was his answer? Do you remember his answer? Like it was problematic. It was really problematic and it was like really meandering, right? Clearly it's about reparations, and then he starts talking about we have to deal with the institutional segregation um, and he's like, from the time I got involved, I started dealing with that redlining banks. We need to bring social workers into homes and parents to help them deal with how to raise their children. It's not that they don't want to help. They don't know quite what to do. Play the radio. Make sure you have the record player on at night.
0: <laughs> and everyone. Is- there was this moment. So the record player thing was a big moment, like record mm. player. Like when was the last time you've heard that word? Like 1916. <laughs> Was the last time anyone used the word record player? Ooh. Not 1916. Okay, 1960. It's been a long time. It's I been mean, a while. Yeah,
1: I mean, it, it's been a few presidential races, I feel like, since a record player has been relevant. <laughs>
0: so, 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 yeah, so he mentions that. But so there's there's something deeper there. There's something deeper beyond what's obvious here, which is like, you know, he's kind of out of touch. And yeah. that's racist. And that's, you know, kind of – I'll explain why it's racist in case people don't know. I mean, it's paternalistic, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. these people don't know how to take care of their children, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and we need to teach them. It has nothing to do with the outcome of centuries of slavery and systemic racism. You know, that had nothing to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's right. the record players, right? Like you know, and they it's it's what's happening in their families right now because slavery is completely removed from what's happening with these families right now. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the fact that they don't talk to their children or play them play record players, right? Like, yeah. Right. And, you know, and it's based
1: on a racist, not culturally competent study, right? There was this thing called the word gap, apparently, um, a deeply flawed study from the 1980s. And essentially, it was all white researchers, and they visited the homes of poor and rich families and like recorded their interactions with their children And so later on, the researchers counted how many words they use. And they noticed that, you know, the white richer families spoke more words and the minority parents didn't, right? First of all, maybe the poor, likely people of color, like didn't feel comfortable having a... um, a white researcher there just observing them and their kids. Right. And then also there's a the possibility that the white families were overcompensating. And then there's just also the idea of like quality versus quantity. Just because they spoke a lot of words doesn't mean that they're necessarily good or helpful.
0: Yeah. And as somebody who opens their answer, talking about the state of education and how there are, I think, you know, Biden was answering this question. He started off talking about teachers and education and how they need to be paid more. He should be familiar as long as he's been like railing about the state of education and busing and all that stuff. He should be mm-hmm. familiar with the outcome of the study and the fact that it was not a sound study. If anybody right. should be familiar with it, it should be him. I mean, he was married to a teacher. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good point. I feel like time and time
1: again, it's just sort of like, really, Joe, like you didn't know, like you've had all these resources and this time and privilege and either you don't remember or no one gave you the information that this was like completely out of date. It's just but at the end of the day, even if he didn't know, if he wasn't being paternalistic, like you're saying, this wouldn't be an issue. I don't think he would have brought it up.
0: Yeah. So there was this moment on stage when he was talking about the record players (laughs) (laughs) where they kind of panned out and you could see everybody's expression. They were kind of like shifting uncomfortably on stage. And it was just a really awkward. And, you know, not to mention the fact that he just sounded really like he just sounded Unprepared. Yeah. He sounded unsure. He was caught off guard. You know, he scoffed because apparently he didn't think that this was a serious question to be answered or he shouldn't be. He shouldn't be bothered with questions like this. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it, I, I got the feeling that he thought that he mm-hmm. feels like these questions are got you questions and that they're not really relevant. Right. That's the sense that I get. Like, why are you asking me this question? You're obviously trying to to do a gotcha.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I think he is very dismissive. And I think you you touched upon something that I've sensed as well. Like he just feels like I'm above this. How dare you, Obama? You know, as opposed to seeing the questions as an opportunity to um, show growth and to advertise himself right to really fight for it but it was it was such a missed opportunity for such a great question. I'm so I'm still really bummed. I think about um, this idea of like well, I did all these things because I think about abusive relationships right and like the whole reason why they're relationships is that like the abuser isn't bad all the time right? Yeah. And so you still need to talk about like, hey, this is what you believe or this is what you believed. Let's talk about your value system. But then the abuser will be like, but I did this, this, this and this, you know, and it just feels like it misses the point. Right. Like just because you may have done some good things. It shouldn't absolve you of the responsibility uh, of answering for what you've done in the past and what you believe. But I
0: think it's because he probably doesn't think much differently. Of course he doesn't. No, of (laughs) course he doesn't think much differently. I mean, that's apparent every time he talks about this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so here's another thing that I wonder if people caught on to. Like, so he, part of his answer included the fact that he was married to a teacher. And I don't know, I know that his first wife was a teacher. Was his second wife his current wife? Is she a teacher as well? or uh, I know remember. she's a doctor, so I don't know if she teaches. She might be teaching. He said, I'm married to a teacher. And then he says, my deceased wife is a teacher. So maybe he just mm-hmm. misspoke there when he used the present, right? So he said, my mm-hmm. deceased wife is a teacher. And here's the thing. He goes, they have every problem coming to them. <laughs> now, me as the mother of a child, mm-hmm. I know what that means. I know what that's code for. Mm. Black children are problems, and they're causing the problems in schools, and teachers just have to do everything they can to deal with these problem children, mm. right? And mm. so that, when I thought about that, I thought really deeply about this, you know, because I think about schools a lot, you know, having a school aged child, right? I, when I thought about that, it explains so much of how he views, his past views on busing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he said, you know, mental health professionals in schools, which they do need, yes. right? But he sees everything as these poor families, and for him, black equates to poor,
1: right? Right, and poor
0: equates to black. These poor black families bringing problems into schools that we just have to fix. These poor, you know, like ch- black children are problems. Black families are problems. That mm-hmm. is Joe Biden's refrain.
1: Yes, I agree. And that's the problem, right? <laughs> like, he just, seem, he treats poor Black children as a problem to be solved, right? Instead of being like, hey, these are children who are facing racism and sexism and classism or whatever, all the other isms, and like, this is how it manifests and it's holding them back. But no, he still has a very old school piecemeal, like, Word gap, blah, blah, blah. We need social workers. And it's just, ah. there's just, God, he makes me so annoyed.
0: (laughs) But you know what? Here's the thing. I think we've uncovered the answer to Lindsay's question, Lindsay Davis's question. Mm. He, his view has not changed. He still feels the same way. So he he gave the only answer he could give, right? Like he still Mm. thinks that he is not responsible for the legacy of his fathers and his grandfathers. He is completely yeah. removed from that. He does not understand today how it's all intertwined and how it's all related. So that was the answer. So people were saying that he didn't answer the question. I think he did answer the question. It just wasn't the answer he was supposed to give.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, totally, totally. I think that's really good point. It, it, it just takes a little while because it, it it took me a while for it to click. I was like, oh, he really did answer it, right? It's just that there's all this other fuckery that was inside of it that made it <laughs>
0: record players, um, kind of, you know, yeah, <laughs> record players and television. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's so funny. There was another moment in that in that exchange where Lindsey Davis tried to give him an out. And she was like, okay, you know, that's, that's your time, Joe. You can stop now. And he goes, oh no. (laughs) He was like, I'm going to keep going like the rest of them do. Like, he's just just like, oh no, 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 no. I'm going to keep going. Like he thought he was, he thought he was doing something. He thought he was going somewhere.
1: It's so cringy. It was just so petty. And it's so weird that he, like, I get it. People have been going over, but, and I don't know if that was supposed to be a dig at Kamala. Um... But yeah, I didn't like that at all.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, he just, it was like, oh no, I'm going to keep going. They're like, oh no, we're trying to save you, Joe.
1: (laughs) But then it seems like he doesn't need to be saved because like looking at the pundits and the media coverage, and I am just very confused because people like his performance.
0: Yeah, but here's the thing. So this is why, again, and I'll keep saying this with every single episode. This is why I wanted to do this podcast with you because They need more voices like us doing the political analysis, right? Because I think Mm -hmm. all of these stories that started to come out about Joe's, you know, performance and about his answer and the problems with his answer came out from, let's just say, more diverse media types, right? Mm -hmm. You know, the people who were praising him weren't people who would, you know, normally be offended by that answer. Fair, fair. You know? Yeah, Yeah.
1: you're right. The whiteness of the media coverage in terms of the election was very obvious um, last night and today.
0: And it was at an HBCU. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Two steps forward. Yeah, two steps forward. One black moderator forward, two. (laughs) Uh,
1: Two racist answers back. I don't know.
0: There there you go. go. But so, okay, so I wanted to to talk about that article that you sent me because Mm -hmm. the title says Dropout Joe. And I yeah. made this point on Twitter last night, sort of. Mm-hmm. Joe's not dropping out. His ego no. is not, you know, to the point where he would drop out. That's not who Joe Biden is, right? He He's entitled. He believes he should be there, A, yeah. right? And based on the numbers... There's no reason for Joe to drop out B mm-hmm. right like he's the front runner and if you, there's some polls that came out shortly after the debate and he dropped like slightly like one point
1: right? yeah
0: yeah he really has no like on its face his performance in the in the race he really has no reason to drop out like activists mm-hmm. and you know the intellectuals who are thinking about this and analyzing this you know they're like, Joe obviously shouldn't be in this race like he is not the person we need at this time and I was reading some pieces saying that like given you know the president that we have this really racist president Joe Biden is the worst person the worst democrat who should be replacing him at this point because we need somebody who needs to take us further so that we don't and I've said this before Mm -hmm. too so that we don't end up with another Trump Ever right, like in the, yeah. especially in the near future, right. So just having any different Democrat won't do. But the point is, is that just purely looking at the numbers, Joe Biden has no reason to drop out. None,
1: zero, and he has tons of money, right? He's fundraising out of the wazoo. So yeah, you're right. Objectively, there's no reason for him to drop out,
0: <laughs> right? And and black black voters like him.
1: Yes, that too, right? We I think. A thing that folks probably forget, right? That like he, you still need Southern voters who are black, right? Black Southern voters to to cinch the primary, and and Biden
0: performs really well among them, right? You know, here's the thing. Here's the interesting thing. So one other thing that happened last night was that Castro was seen as attacking mm-hmm. Biden because he had that moment where he was saying, "Joe Biden, you don't remember the answer you gave two minutes ago," and he just kept like driving that point home, mm-hmm. driving it home. Um, Yeah, so the
1: reaction I was really surprised to see because I started seeing, like, one white person, two white people, and it started growing. They're like, how dare Castro? Blah, blah, blah. I was like, did we watch the same clip? Like, it was uncomfortable for sure, but... I was really shocked by the like the, the harshness against Castro. A lot of people saying like Rahm Emanuel, you know, being like, oh, this is a disqualifier, which is like ridiculous. It's tone policing. And it just reminds me of times when I've been in majority white spaces, especially at my old job, people of color were just read as more hostile um, and that's something I also experience if you're not completely deferential to white folks. And I definitely think that lens is being used against Castro um, right now.
0: Yeah. It's obvious what they're trying to do is they're trying to drive Joe Biden's numbers down. Right. They're trying to drive mm-hmm. him out of the race, which is what happens with the front runner.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it was, you know, Biden, I think Biden was all over the place and he was meandering and avoiding answering directly um, with tough questions. And so I totally get it. It's a debate. People speak over each other. They interrupt. Like, that's the point. So it's just weird to all of a sudden um, after, you know, the previous debates, after hearing white dudes that no one was going to be electing, interrupt all the time and like talk over people and try to attack folks. And then for them to all of a sudden be like, oh my God, Castro, like clutching their pearls is just sort of like y'all are being racist, right? Like this is the type of the liberal racism that people talk about. And Biden disappoints me, I think, because he knows he's a front runner and he is chilling you know in a sense like you can tell he doesn't prepare for debates and he gets nervous and gets a little flustered right like very obvious questions that would be thrown at him he's just not prepared then he just acts like he's insulted by it which is just sort of like what I also want from a president is somebody who like even if you're the front runner, I want you to fucking like work hard, kick ass, prepare. Don't just like sit back and be like, "Well, I got all this money, like I'm the front runner, I got the votes and like kind of cruise through." Like that doesn't instill confidence for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting to see. It's going to be interesting in the next week or so to see what happens with Joe Biden's numbers, right? Like mm-hmm. Yeah, but as it stands, he is still the front runner. He's dropping very, very slowly. So Yeah, yeah.
1: I'm not watching the numbers much, right? Because I think it's just sort of like, yeah. <laughs> kind of just like gotta let it happen. And you know, I have my feeling that like, hey, it takes millions of us. So yay. <laughs> do you think that do you think that Castro will get a boost? Uh, I don't think so, just because he's getting clobbered by the media. Yeah. 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 Unless he like does a response that just like blows it out of the water.
0: Yeah. You know, it's really funny about these mm. debates. It's like if somebody performs really, really well, they'll get a boost. Right. Yeah. But here's the thing that people don't talk about is that if somebody performs really, really badly and their bad performance is worse than the best performance, that will overshadow the good performances. Mm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, had Joe Biden not screwed up so much and so badly last night, everybody else's good performances would be highlighted more, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, you're right. Because like... I remember we spoke last night and we're like, oh, we barely heard from Liz Warren. And then I looked at the numbers and she spoke number two to Joe Biden. Oh, really? Yeah. She only had like one minute less than he did or something like that. Um, So that was really
0: surprising to hear. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Black Women 2020 and you want to support greater representation in political coverage and in the media, please show the Black Women 2020 podcast some love. First off, subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. If you're on iTunes right now, just click the subscribe button and leave us a review. That will help us get more traffic and more listeners. Secondly, you can help support the views of Black women by supporting us on Patreon. The Black Women 2020 podcast is independently produced, and anything you can give will help us. Just visit patreon.com slash BW2020podcast. You can help support us with just a few dollars a month. And all of this information is in the show notes. Thank you again for listening to Black Women 2020, and stay tuned for our next episode.